Little ditty about Eric and Jeremy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to <laughs> the final episode of Chatting About Chucky. I think my microphone's a little hot here. I'm turning it down. Folks, <laughs> we're your friends till the end. Eric and Jeremy. My name is Eric Keppel. And my name is Jeremy Schmidt. I'm eating on the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess I didn't tell you that I was going to like just jump right into uh, recording the episode. but No, it's a necessary evil, Eric. You see, I've been running and gunning all day long, and I have not had time to eat. This is the only time I've been able to sit down, so I'm just going to do it as quietly as possible. I I understand the running, Jeremy, but did you just admit to gunning on a oh, podcast? Oh shit! I forgot. <laughs> this isn't my Alex Jones podcast. Um, I, I'm sorry. I I've been uh, running and Instagramming. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, I gotta ask you, and this has nothing to do with what we're about to talk about or anything related to this podcast other than it's a movie, but did you see the new Tarantino flick? I absolutely saw the new Tarantino flick. Tweeted about it, too, not too long ago. How, uh, Eric, did you have, love you, it? have you seen it? I did see it. I saw it last night. I, I think it's the first time I've been to like an opening night Tarantino movie, and it, oh. uh, it was great. I, I had a great uh, experience. It was yeah, awesome. I, I actually went with... Um, previous guest of the show matthew J. oh really yeah him and some Great. uh him and some clowns him and some of his crew his posse me and uh I, me and jackie went and we met up with them and we had a good old time ate some sushi afterwards i gotta say eric you know yeah. I've, I've actually heard some uh, some friends of mine didn't care for the film so much and when i investigated more on sort of their situation going into the movie they didn't go with friends and they went and saw it kind of out in like more suburban areas. And huh. they they found it to be a lot more humorless than the film actually was. We saw it opening night in Los Angeles with a group. And I got to tell you, that's that's just got to be the way to see that movie. I mean, it was rowdy. We were laughing. We were gawking. We were awing. I mean, the film was a riot front to back. I think it might be my second favorite Tarantino film, only second after uh, Inglorious Bastards. Jeremy, I'm going to go ahead and say this is my damn first favorite yeah, uh, Tarantino yeah. film. I loved it. We don't got to talk too much about it, but I was dying to ask you. And yeah. uh, Everyone should go see it, if not just to, you know. If, if you're not a Tarantino fan, I would say this is, a, this is a nice one to try to dip back into the shallow end with him because... I feel like his last two films were only mildly good. This film was all the way A plus 100%. I liked it a lot. And I think if you don't like Tarantino, maybe give him another chance with this film. Um, but yeah, and if you're a big fan, I think you'll really like it. It's a blast. Great flick. And uh, Jeremy, this is, of, of course, uh, a podcast about another great flick, Child's Play. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, more generally, it's a it's a Chucky podcast, and mm -hmm. Jeremy, this is our. Well, Jeremy, this is a it's a sad episode. It's bittersweet. I'm excited to for what we have next, but this is our last, uh, chatting about Chucky official uh, regular episode. We are. I, I can't um, believe it. I cannot actually believe that's happened. <laughs> it In the is kind of crazy. It seemed like it was so far away that it, that it'd be done, and now I'm I like, was, wow. <laughs> I was looking through just like the my show notes from all of our previous episodes, and uh, 
I was looking back and just thinking, looking back fondly at like the Bride of Chucky episode or the mm-hmm. the Seed of Chucky episode with the aforementioned Matt J or when we when we had Jordan Haas on to talk about Chucky on <laughs> WCW. Yeah, yeah. Um, man, it, it's been a ride. Those episodes will always be there, and our podcast will still be coming out on a weekly basis. Although, um, when we dive into new topics, we are going to be um, changing the name. So starting next week, we will be arguing about Aster. We're going to do an episode about Hereditary, an episode about Midsommar, and then uh, two bonus episodes about Ari Aster's short films. And uh, if you are still thirsty for uh, Chucky content after this and Dad wears glasses, Brian, I'm looking at you, mm-hmm. Courtney, Courtney, the real, <laughs> the real Chuck heads out there. Uh, real Chucksters. I have uh, a couple of ideas for uh, some more... Chucky Dark bonus mm. episodes that we're probably going to come out with uh, next month. So keep on subscribing. Uh, and then yeah. after that, I think we'll do the final destinations. But we're we're always looking for suggestions. We want to do what you want to what you want to listen to us talk about. And yeah. today, I thought this is this is what no better film to to close out the Toys to Life theme on than. 1998 Small Soldiers. Jeremy, this is probably our most requested uh, film, it seems like, at least on Twitter. Yeah, people love this film. They love talking about it. They love clowning on it and hamming on it. I had a good time watching Small Soldiers, and I'm excited to talk about it. Before we get into it, though, can we pour pour a little one out for our Chuck boy? Yeah, you know what? Let me uh, open this. I don't don't know if this will make a noise because it's a bottle. Yeah, let's hear it. Oh, oh that made a that made a nice crispy noise. Yeah, son. A, as I do for every episode, I'm drinking a fresh cold bottle of my own piss. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and luckily, and I piss uh, Bell's Two Hearted Ale, so it tastes ooh. great. Gets a buzz going. Uh, Eric, I'm going to be drinking a little local brew here, local to the city uh, that I live in, which is of course Los Angeles. This is an Angel City Brewery Pilsner. Um, and it's a good go. one. Oh, that's yummy. Crisp. That's crisp. Me likey. Mm. Um, Jeremy, Eric, by now, the way, oh, before, yeah, sorry. I, <laughs> by the way, I moved. Oh, um, shit. Yeah, where yeah. you went to, you moved to Echo Park? Is that no, correct? No, I moved to Highland Park. Uh, Highland Park, one of yeah, the parks. Is, one of the parks. It's just a little bit out of the city, and I got to say, my quality of life has jumped up a million percent. I'm out of the, the throes of Hollywood, which was really bumming yeah. me out, especially the area I was in. Two days before our move, a woman was murdered in her driveway, two Correct. doors down from us. Yeah, it was it was incredible, and I'm really glad to be out of there. But I gotta say, this new place, I got my own podcast room, Eric. I got my own podcast oh. studio, and right now I'm podcasting in the kitchen because it's too fucking hot to go in that room. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so we talked about this off air, but it's apparently I remember this from living in LA. It's like around this time where there's like two months of just unbearable heat it's um, awful that makes you want to die yeah i'm it's sweating terrible. my way through some pizza and a beer right now and you know life could be worse honestly <laughs> it could be a lot worse but whew, that heat anyway jeremy i know it'll cool you off okay uh now this is something this is one of the things that i'll do every once in a while without consulting you at all and uh just something that i will commit us C- commit both of us to doing on the podcast without even mentioning it to you. I love um, that. <laughs> <laughs> a uh, 
And uh, this is, I, I tweeted something out just to try and get the word out about our podcast. And I thought this was a brilliant idea. I said, uh, I tweeted out, retweet this and Eric and Jeremy will give you a shout out on the next episode and tell you how you would die in a Chucky movie. Oh, so I love it. We that. have, I think, 15 of these to go through. <laughs> um, so Great. what I would like to do is I'll list these off individually. I'll list off the different people who retweeted this, and we'll okay. just go back and forth, and we will uh, we will talk, uh, I guess, just riff on different ways that Chucky would kill them. Okay, perfect. Okay, Jeremy, so I'll, I'll give you the first stab at this one, uh, pun intended. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is at... Sun Kyura, I think I'm pronouncing it that right, but her name is Nicole. Jeremy, how would Chucky kill Nicole? Okay, let's see. Since the, since the word sun is in her Twitter handle, I'm going to guess it's going to be by heat. It's going to be by fire. <laughs> and I'm going to guess what's what happens to Nicole is she goes out to her shed in the middle of the summertime, and uh, she lo- accidentally locks herself in there, and then... She starts to overheat, but then Chucky gets bored with how long it's taking, so then he just lights the shed on fire. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's like an early early Charles Lee Ray kill, just lighting yeah. <laughs> lighting a building on fire. With lighting a building inside. on fire, yeah. Uh, so next we have uh, at Slim Shelly. This is Cameron. <laughs> uh, do you know this guy? No. Oh, Okay. Um, he, he's, he, uh, I see him around on, on, on Twitter once in a while. He's a, he's a, I think he's a follower of mine. He's got, I'm looking at his picture. He's got a good ha- head of hair. So I'm going to say this guy's like, he's at a barber shop, right? And this oh, guy's, great. this guy's getting the, getting the trim. He's getting, he's getting, uh, a, a, a cut, a scissor, a scissor cut. Uh-huh. And, uh, all of a sudden, he, he closes his eyes because he's like kind of relaxing from the haircut, and uh, he opens his eyes again, and there's Chucky with uh, with a giant pair of scissors from the Child's Play three <laughs> fucking cover. Is that Child's Play? No, Child's Play two. Child's Play, yeah, Child's Play two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he uh, snips he snips his neck off. He snip he snips his head off like uh, Chucky da- is doing to the uh, Jack in the Box <laughs> on the cover of Child's Play Two. So Cameron, hope you find another head, buddy. Sayonara, sucker. <laughs> so Jeremy, up next we have at MDL uh, f- filming. Uh, his name is Matthew Langley. How- Jeremy, how does a Matthew Langley get freaking owned by Chucky? I feel like this one's going to be really traditional, okay? Matthew Langley, he comes home from his terrible day at the office. He's going to go say hello to his kids. He opens the door. He walks up to his son's bed. He reaches down for a kiss, and Chucky just turns his head because he's been posing as the son in bed. And then he kisses Matthew on the lips and says, Ooh, thank you, Daddy, and then just (laughs) stabs him right in the heart. Brutal. Brutal. R.I.P. To Matthew Langley. Uh, up next, we have Old Chow Road remix at Sirach Chow Chow. I don't. I feel like I should know this guy's name because he's a. Uh, maybe his name is Chow. I don't know, but he's uh, he's a great Twitter follow. Uh, great guy. Shout out to him. Um, and he posts a little bit about David Lynch. So I'm going to say this guy gets his damn ear snipped off. Ooh. 
while he's doing some transcendental meditation. And he is uh, so focused on his mantra, he just doesn't even notice it. And he just bleeds to death while Chucky watches and uh, giggles while watching uh, Fire Walk With Me. Oh, I got, a pi- I got a pitch, too. He says, uh, namaste, nah, nama go. <laughs> Jeremy, I'll accept that pitch. R.I.P. Old Chow Road remix, cowboy hat emoji. Uh, up next, we have at XXXSOTWXXX. This is Dylan Mills. Jeremy, how does a Dylan Mills get murdered by the Chuck Man? I mean, it's a typical porno death. Right? I mean, uh, if it's got XXS in his, in his handle, he's, he's asking for a porn death, which means uh, Chucky comes to his house as the pizza man, and when uh, Dylan opens the pizza, instead of a wiener in there, there's a knife. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Dylan, you're dead, buddy. Uh, at, we have at Will Ferrell Streep. Will Ferrell Streep is, uh, is another person I think I see around on the... On Twitter, uh, let's mm-hmm. see. He's got a pi- he's his picture. He's wearing <laughs> he's wearing a picture of a, a a shirt with a picture of Jar Jar Binks on it that says "Excuse me," which is really funny. Love it. So this is a guy who looks like he pop- he maybe wants wants hu- a hug when he he sees a doll. It asks him for a hug. He'll he'll hug the doll. So this is a guy who knows nothing about Chucky. Uh, he he runs into the to to the doll version of Charles Lee Ray, and it says. I like to be hugged, and damn, Will Ferrell Streep is gullible enough to hug the damn doll, and it mm-hmm. freaking uh, squeezes his guts out is what happens. Love that. Love that. Uh, Sorry, bud. That, You're gone. That sick-ass uh, uh, Jar Jar shirt slips right off of him, and Chucky takes it and gives it to me. Jeremy, up next we have uh, the Horror Club podcast, which is a, a, po- a comedy podcast with uh, three saucy female co-hosts. Um, Jeremy, how do these three uh, podcasting ladies get killed by Chucky? I mean, I think it's a typical one of these. They're all podcasting together, and Chucky comes in, and uh, he says, and he brings a big pail of water, and he says, uh, just throw it out, the refuse, and then he throws <laughs> the pail of water on their mixing board, and it just electrocutes oh. all three of them. Yeah, and then he leaves them a one-star review that says, "Oh, that's a good pitch. They're that's, dead. That is a Chucky why would you listen too, to yeah. this?" Yeah. Um, shout out to the Hair Club podcast. Uh, rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, so next we have. I am going to decide how at Annie's best life, uh, Annie G, uh, gets killed by Chucky. So. I'm going to say Annie G is, uh, let's see, she wears glasses. Oh, her cover picture is <laughs> Chucky smoking a doobie in uh, in in uh, Bride of Chucky. So this Annie G freaking gets down. So I'm going to say Annie G is roasting a bone out, out in, in, a, in like a field somewhere. Mm-hmm. And she starts to see these little like, she's in maybe like a cornfield. Uh, it says she lives in Texas, so maybe she's a, in a cornfield in Texas. Shout she sees out. like some rustling going on in the cornfield, and she's looking around, and she can't tell if she's freaking out or if she's uh, actually seeing something. And then uh, Chucky comes out of the woodwork and takes one of those uh, fucking uh, what are those big ra- a hoe? Is that what it's called? A hoe? A hoe? Yeah. Yeah, and and just like like. Uh, 
I don't know, chucks it at her to, and it kind of like spins around, mm-hmm. uh, and it stabs her. Two of the things go into each eye, Ugh. through her glasses and into each eye, and she falls backwards. She doesn't die from that. Chucky comes over and then shoots her <laughs> with oh. the gun. God, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. More so like Annie Annie's G. best death, huh? <laughs> yeah. Now we know what the G in Annie G stands for. It stands for gun. I love it. Jeremy, you got one of the best ones of all, buddy. Brian Horton. We uh, one of our own Patreon subscribers. You got to give Brian Horton a, a, a grizzly death, my man. Oh, b- uh, Brian, you got it, pal. Okay. So, Brian Brian Horton it's late at night. It's midnight. And he noticed that... Uh, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's Monday morning. And he's looking through his podcast feed. And he realizes there's no Chucky Dark episode uh, that has just... That has Terrifying. populated on there. And, and and so he goes up to his computer and it says, You have been unsubscribed to the Chucky... Uh, chatting about Chucky Patreon. Yeah. And he just But we're fucking, still taking your money. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. We're still taking his money. But he's been unsubscribed. And he goes, Who would do a thing like that? And he turns around and there's Chucky standing there. Uh, with and and basically he's stolen his identity at that point. <laughs> so uh, so Chucky then of course just you know breaks his neck, uh, sort of James Bond style, and lives the rest of Brian's life as Brian. <laughs> <laughs> I loved the idea of Chucky just doing like petty <laughs> identity theft. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm excited for this one, Jeremy. I get to figure out how Rocco dies. Is at 600 bucks. This is a buddy of mine. He he wrote a book called How to Write a Book and Make at Least 600. dollars Great read. Funny stuff. Rocco, he's gonna be. I'm gonna say Rocco's sitting there. He's typing away on his uh, MacBook Air, uh, 2013. And uh, the one with, like, the heavier lid. Right. And Chucky's hand pops up from behind it, slams it on his fingers. He screams, yowch, like a, like a cartoon character, gets mm-hmm. up, trips over, because he's a writer, he trips over a pile of Hemingway books. <laughs> and uh, he falls face first onto a quill pen that has been, like, is somehow sticking straight up in between floorboards. Stabs right between his brain, and uh, he doesn't die from that. Chucky comes up to him and shoots him with a gun. I love it. I love that Chucky just pettily pet- uh, ends up shooting most of these victims. <laughs> yeah. Jeremy. Uh, more like Rocco's modern death, am I right? Rocco, you heard it here first. You just got freaking owned, buddy. Mm. Um, Jeremy... I saved this one for you because I feel like you got a good one for him. Great, great. I think you know it's coming, but how does a dad who wears glasses uh, uh, get get owned by the Chuckster? Okay. It's late at night, and dad wears glasses, is driving down a long stretch of highway. He's very tired, very sleepy. All of a sudden, clunk, clunk, something in the engine, clunk, clunk, something in the back seat. He realizes, oh, my God, it's my tire. My tire's been slashed. He gets out of his car, uh, looks at the tire, and there's just a freaking butcher's knife in the tire. <laughs> like, how did he not notice that? So he starts getting out the spare. He gets out the jack. He starts jacking up the car, going through the motions. But it's freaking the steam from the engine is getting up in his glasses. And he can't see. So he takes him off. 
He starts wiping them with his shirt, you know, just to get just a little vision here because it's 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 at night, Eric. I mean, the freaking man needs glasses and they're all fogged up. How's he going to change this tire? So he finally wipes off his glasses and then <laughs> puts them on and looks at where the jack should be, but it's gone. He misplaced the jack somehow. Where'd it go? So he goes back to the trunk. Nothing there. But we see from behind him a freaking crowbar is like coming into frame whammo <laughs> gets him right in the head falls into the trunk slams the trunk chucky drives that chevy deville to a freaking cliff and rolls it on down and he says more like dad wears drowning brutal brutal, brutal. Oh, man. Uh, Ryan Fish. This guy's name is Ryan Fish, and uh, I'm going to say this guy's fishing um, because that's how uh, creative my brain is. Mm -hmm, And uh, mm -hmm. this guy's fishing. He's fly fishing. He he, he winds up. He does the thing where you kind of whip the line back, Mm. and as he's about to whip it into into the river, he can't. It gets stuck behind him. He turns around, and the chuck man's standing there, and he's got the line attached to his own little mini toy uh, fishing rod mm-hmm. somehow. And he reels Ryan Fish in, right? And then Ryan Love Fish it. gets reeled in. Chucky uh, kicks him in the, in the head, and, and he goes flying back into this, <laughs> this river. And uh, Ryan Fish ironically doesn't know how to swim. In this in this scenario, uh-huh. I love that. so he's he's about to drown, and just as he's about to drown, Chucky jumps in, now wearing a little uh, toy uh, scuba suit, uh, jumps in with a with a gun, and hits yes. him in the head with a gun, love almost that. killing him. And right before he uh, just lo- completely loses consciousness, uh, Chucky feeds him poison. Love and that. <laughs> he then <laughs> shoots him in the head immediately afterwards. Just before uh, the poison really worked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Ryan Fish, that's your very creative and just smart death yeah. that I just More came like up. Ryan sleeps with the fishes, huh? Yeah. That's what I yeah, that's what I was uh I was just about to say that. Uh Jeremy right, right. um Bra- at Bregan 15. This is a guy. <laughs> Just I don't out know of curiosity, guy, how actually. many more do we have? <laughs> <laughs> Three more. <laughs> this is taking way longer than I thought. But uh, <laughs> this guy yeah. has Garfield as his, uh, as his, um, or her. Uh, this person has Garfield as their uh, avatar. So okay. how does Bregan die? Bregan is, of course, uh, in the kitchen cooking, cooking themselves up a mean plate of lasagna in the oven oh it's coming right it's coming uh uh they open the oven Ooh, they get that nice little smell but a hand comes out from behind their head whammo head in the oven pushing that head into the boiling hot lasagna breaking oh. drowns in the boiling hot lasagna only th- that's only time enough for chucky to pull out their head and tur- only to to turn their head completely towards a calendar, at which, of course, it just reads Monday. <laughs> <laughs> All days are Mondays. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, it's Monday, the day that Bregan oh, okay. died. And then, you know, because Garfield doesn't like Mondays. Right, right, right. right. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure out how Matt J dies. So Matthew J, Matt we J. all know. Matt J, very he cool. Was, he was just dying to see Chucky's little wiener in, <laughs> in the yeah. Ch- Seed of Chucky episode. He was actually like furious that you don't get to see chucky's dick in that in that movie yeah, yeah he so practically I'm, canceled himself on that episode just talking about chucky's wiener yeah so i'm gonna say that he is uh he's doing like some peeping tom work <laughs> around <laughs> <laughs> sort of like uh, what's his name in uh in seed of chucky john waters uh, yeah. yeah john waters and he sees chucky jerking off in the window and he he snaps a picture of it, um, and he uh, he goes back to develop this picture so he can look at Chucky's uh, dong, it's and uh, and he basically Chucky shows up, uh, Glenn shows up, and kills him with the acid uh, yeah. accidentally in the same way that John Waters dies in the Seed of Chucky movie, and then Chucky comes in, shoots Matt J in the head with a gun, and says, uh, "How's this for a?" duck tail <laughs> and uh jeremy the last one how would chucky kill our number one fan courtney courtney all right um <sighs> sorry courtney but i had to do it to you freaking runs her over with a motorcycle is that it that's it <laughs> he makes her freaking roadkill. And of course, <laughs> Chucky's on a hog, dude. That's pretty cool. We haven't Hell seen yeah, Chucky dude. on a hog before. We have not. Yeah. So, Courtney, Let's get this going. RIP. <laughs> Mancini, if you're listening, and God damn it, we know you're listening. Just tell us you are. We got to see Chucky on a hog in this uh, <laughs> in this TV show you're, you're, you're putting together. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Jeremy, that took uh, far longer than I expected, <laughs> so let's dive right into... Uh, we're talking about 1998's Small Soldiers. And um, and before so, that, though, we're going to take a quick break. Yes. Here right? is... Yeah. Here is a commercial right about now. Coming to you live this morning from the Mushroom Kingdom, WKBAG Studios, Warrior K. Rule, Bowser, Andros Gann, and this is Video Games, a comedy show, the only video game podcast that is funny at all. Join the Radio Morning Zoo Tycoon crew as we explore topics such as video game characters who eat stuff, and sure, Kratos is a father, but is he the ultimate daddy? Video Games, a comedy show is a part of the Schmidtcast family of podcasts, so subscribe for a brand new episode every Monday morning. You can find it anywhere podcasts are heard. That's Video games, a comedy show. The boys are back, folks, and we're talking uh, 1998. Uh, some of the top films of 98, and I think we've talked about 98 before, right? This is the year mm-hmm. of Bride of Chucky. Um, right. Just a little recap. We have The Truman Show, Something About Mary, Patch Adams, A Bug's Life, The Big Lebowski, Pleasantville. Some of these 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 late '90s films are great, Jeremy. Uh, I can't remember when I, whatever episode we talked about Bound, whatever year that came out, which I think was '96, was like yes, 
the best year of movies I've ever heard of before. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah. It was like, yeah. Uh, I, I kind of think that this like uh, 95 on like this, the second half of the nineties is really what we think of as, is like what I remember most of the nineties. Cause yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of fuzzy 95 and back. Uh, but I think this like, yeah, this last half of the nineties is like kind of all of my, my golden memories of the nineties. And this movie in particular is such a, is such a, has such a, holds such a vivid place in my mind of being a kid and going and really wanting to see a movie. And yeah, uh, my, my parents taking me and it, and it just fucking ruling in my mind. (laughs) So Jeremy, we, we've kind of gone over like, uh, in the bride of Chucky episode, we went over kind of what we were up to in 98 and, uh, you know, I was, of course, uh, you know, I was a, a child star. I was, um, I had millions of dollars. I was, uh, had a severe cocaine habit at six years right. old. And, uh, right. you were, of course, a, uh, you, I was a, well, uh, I'm a, I was a clone. So I, I woke yeah. up around 98. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah. so I thought it would be fun to talk about, uh, something different about the year. And this is, uh, uh, very appropriate. These are the the top toys of the year 1998, Jeremy. And, uh, I love it. I'm just going to list some of these off. Uh, so we have the Hot Wheels car wash. Do you remember that thing? Uh, kind of, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do. Yeah, yeah. I, it, I think it was one of those things that I like want, asked for for Christmas and did not get. But... Mm. Um, I could see why. It seems like it's just like a messy. It's just like a way to get water all over the floor. Um, yeah. <laughs> but the the hip hoppers, which is hip hop stuffed animals. I don't remember those, but I saw them uh, on this list. Uh, the Nerf Supermax three thousand eight shooter with target. Uh, wow. Pokemon Red and Blue for Game Boy. Uh, roller coaster. Uh, wait, roller coaster. Coaster? It was a build-your-own-roller-coaster thing. Uh, Talking Talking Barney, the Tamagotchi, and Furby. Hmm. Jeremy, do you have any any personal experience with any of these toys? Uh, The Tamagotchi and the Furby, yeah, we had one of those in our house each. Um, Yeah, I I, I guess I don't like them that much. Don't have any, like, super good memories. What was before that? What did you say before Tamagotchi and Furby? The uh, talking Barney? No, I was never a Barney kid. Isn't that weird? Yeah, because you got into Barney a little bit later, right? When you were in your twenties. Yeah, it was more in my <laughs> mid to late twenties. Is when I got into B- Barney pretty hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just the unnecessary roast. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, the Nerf. I was looking at the Nerf uh, Supermax three thousand eight shooter, and I'm pretty sure. I've talked about them before, but I had this this family in the neighborhood that uh, one of my best friends uh, lived with. Uh, he had his parents and, and two brothers that were of similar age. And uh, <clears throat> we would have these just like insane Nerf gun fights, just like the, all of the like neighborhood boys would go over there and have these crazy <laughs> uh, Nerf gun fights. But yeah. I definitely remember remember that thing. And of course, the Tamagotchi and the the Furby. The Tamagotchi was one where um, I remember there was a girl in my elementary school who 
her parents were like her mom would like take care of her Tamagotchi like while she was in school. Okay. Was her mom not working? <laughs> I have no idea. That's absurd though, right? That's like, yeah, that's that's a little sad. It, I mean It's stupid. It, yeah, it's it's pretty sad. Yeah. But wow. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> same 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 kid who when the uh beanie babies were a thing, they had the McDonald's uh Happy Meal Beanie Babies. Yeah. This this kid whose parents I assume were like very wealthy just was determined to get every one of the Beanie Babies Happy Meals toys. And her parents just like bought her like tons of Happy Meals just for to get the toys. Is she an only child? I think she might have been. I don't yeah, that's, remember. That sounds like some only child, uh, only child behavior. You're not an only child, are you, Eric? No, I'm not. Uh, right. Yeah. No. But you she didn't was get like any a- Beanie Babies, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> I, I had the platypus one, I think. <laughs> I wasn't super interested in them, though. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. Uh, so, anything uh, anything you want to say about the year 1998, Jeremy, before we uh, talk about small soldiers? Not at all. Not at all. So, do you did you see this movie when you were a kid? Yeah, and I played the the PlayStation One video game for it. I was a big fan of this. I remember as as a child, I liked it a lot. I, uh, you know, I thought I thought it was very creative, and I because I because I was also a big fan of Toy Story. That really like, really blew up my imagination. And this was yeah. sort of like the alternative Toy Story. It was like it was ripping on Toy Story in a way, or riffing on Toy Story. Right. What What if the toys were just the last scene where Woody uh, attacks Sid? You know, uses the toys to attack Sid. What if it, the whole movie was that? <laughs> you know. Right. Right. Yeah. What yeah. About you? I I remember the marketing for this movie. I remember the kids on the playground talking about how awesome it looked. And uh, yeah, I think I I didn't see it theatrically. I think it's it's PG thirteen, and I think I was nine at the time but i definitely saw it um at a sleepover and uh i remember thinking that it kicked ass and it was like they were like it was at a time where like uh just like swears and like and like violence was cool to me um so any film no matter how good or bad it is that has that in it i was like interested in Mm -hmm. um so yeah, so I remember, and I remember being horrified of one scene in particular that we'll get to um, that I'm sure you can uh, guess. But uh, right, <clears throat> Small Soldiers is a '98 sci-fi war film. Uh, so the premise is when missile technology is used to enhance toy action figures, uh, the toys soon begin to take their battle programming too seriously. Uh, this <laughs> film. Is directed by Joe Dante, who is yeah, one of my, my favorite directors. He's great. Uh, he did The Burbs, Inner Space, The Howling, Gremlins. Jeremy, do you have a favorite Joe Dante flick? Uh, Gremlins, I think. Yeah, or his yeah. Uh, his part in the Twilight Zone was very good. I I recently I don't re-listen to. All of our episodes, mostly because I have voice dysmorphia, but um, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is a thing. But uh, I listened to our top five uh, favorite horror movies one because I couldn't remember what I picked. Yeah. And number one, I want to say I feel awful about leaving The Shining off. Um, Why? 
I don't because I it is one of my favorite. It's probably is my like number two. Yeah. Um, I think I was just trying to be different or something. Yeah, I mean that's fine. I mean that that's what that episode was for to kind of showcase and highlight our our fandom. If everyone everyone should just have The Shining as their default favorite, and then we could just have a conversation right. about other movies from there. <laughs> right. But another movie that I I should have at least done an honorable mention about, but I. Maybe because it's more of a family movie, I don't think of it so much as a horror. But The Burbs is one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, I saw that for the first time last year. And fuck, man, that's a great movie. It's a really, really good uh, movie. And it works on me every time. Like when the family, when when, when, like the whole neighborhood goes over, like finally goes into that house. Oh, God damn it. It's really good. And the whole cast is great. I Gosh, love when, Joe Dante when, so when, much. When when Bruce Dern shows up to the house, yes. holding <laughs> that plate of food, and then he just falls into the porch, and he spills <laughs> all the food. And he just goes, "God damn it!" It's so it kills me every time. Yeah. Speaking of Bruce Dern, him in uh, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, I know, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I love I love us just like subtly referencing that film without actually talking about it. It's very funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so music by Jerry Goldsmith, uh, cinematography by Jamie Anderson. Um, so this is a cat. I mean, we, I could list off 20 <laughs> insane names for this cast, but I'll just do the top like eight or nine. Uh, Kirsten Dunst as, uh, Christy, F- uh, F- Flimple, Gregory Smith as Alan Abernathy, Jay Moore as Larry Benson, Phil Hartman as Phil Fimple, uh, Kevin Dunn as Stuart Abernathy, Dennis Leary as Gil Mars, uh, which I thought they said Bill Marr at first, which was confusing. Uh, David Cross as Irwin Wayfair, Frank Langella, uh, as, uh, Archer, the voice. And of course, Tommy Lee Jones is the voice of Chip Hazard. I forgot like what a star studded movie this was. I, I remembered so little about this movie, to be honest with you, before rewatching it. Yeah, and and you know what's crazy is like there's a lot of SNL love in this film. There too, is, like Sherry thought, O'Terry is in right, it. Right, yeah. yeah, and I thought that was very interesting. It, I uh, I had to remind myself, you know, what, what really was the link there, and there, I can't really find any good information other than probably just Joe Dante or whoever was in the casting was just a big fan of comedians at the time because it is a yeah. funny movie but i mean it's like they they've actually act it's like they accidentally hired the best comedians of the day like david right. cross and phil hartman are the two best living comedians like at that time like two of the best you know right there's that gus van zandt movie that just came out the don't yeah. worry he won't get far on foot yeah. and i was watching that and I guess when he was, like, casting it or something, he had, like, gone to a couple of UCB shows. I was working when he did that, yeah. Oh, really? Because yeah, there's, I like... Gu- I got some Gus Van Zandt stories for you. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, th- yeah. So there, there's, like, eight or nine people in there who I know from just being on, like, Herald teams and stuff. Yeah, but what's like your, Ronnie what's your Gus Van? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Lou Wilson. What's Lou your Wilson. Gus Van Zandt story? I mean, just that my, uh, my manager... Working, so I so I did work study there, which is like that free labor that UCB lets you do to like pay for some of your classes. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, I was working the Franklin location, and it was before a Herald show, and Gus Van Zandt just walked in the building, and 
you know, there's no way that people, for people to really know this, but if you come to a show early, you're supposed to line up outside. You're not supposed to like walk into the building and they actually get yeah. pretty crotchety about that. So my manager, just not knowing who he was, just decides to up and yell at this old man uh-huh. standing in the lobby. She's like, excuse me, the line starts outside by the chalk. Thank you. And I just watched in horror as my <laughs> terrible dipshit manager screamed at my childhood film hero. Yeah, the director and, of Drugstore Cowboys getting yeah. scolded by a UCB manager. Yeah, and I just watched Gus Van Zant humbly walk outside and he was and be the first person in line because he was there kind of yeah. early and he just didn't know the rules. And so I walked up to my manager and I just pulled up IMDb on my phone and I was like, hey, uh this is who you just screamed at. <laughs> and it's like the director of Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. fucking Milk. And she's like, oh my God, go talk to him. Ask him if he wants to come in. Ask him if he wants to see, you know, we'll get him in a seat. We'll get him like, he can come sit in the building before us. And, and I walked it back outside. And by that point, a line had already started to form and Gus was just sort of chatting it up with the people in the line. And I, and I walked up to him and I was like, Hey man, do you want to actually come inside? I think that there was a little miscommunication and he's like, no, you know what? No, I'm fine. I'm fine. And huh. I will say, Eric, uh, he was with a date and that date oh. was a very, very young looking man. <laughs> Probably <All right>. no <laughs> older than 19, 20 years old. I might, uh, I might suspect, uh, very young looking. And I was like, okay, all right, you can get it. Mr. Van Zant. you can get it. Well, well, let's just say alleged in alleged date. <laughs> an alleged that. date. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, sure. It was an alleged date. <laughs> yeah. Um, show business messes with the mind. So Jeremy, uh, <laughs> Phil, Phil Hartman, um, I got to say, I've never been like a huge Phil Hartman person. I've always appreciated him. Um, but I, I've just never like of all, there's just so many SNL people you can get into, especially when I was a kid. Like I kind of got into like Farley and, and, and Adam Sandler and, and, you know, there were certain eras of SNL where I got in, I kind of had my people that I really liked. And Phil Hartman was never someone who I was very like obsessive about, but I've always appreciated and watching him in this movie. I fucking laughed at like every line. I, I, he's he's so funny in this movie. And I was reading about how I didn't even know. I knew he was murdered. Uh, I didn't even really know the situation and that it was by his wife and who had like, substance abuse problems and and andy dick was the one who gave her drugs before the murder did you read all that (laughs) no i didn't i feel like i've heard that or i'm just like so used to hearing andy dick show up in these kinds of stories where i'm like oh okay (laughs) right it's an old hollywood uh i don't it's not an old hollywood wives tale but it's an old hollywood i think it's become kind of legendary at this point where yeah it's allegedly he gave her drugs before and i think like he has admitted, but like on some level, but like not really knowing the situation. And like, there's, there seems to be some confusion around that, but, uh, the story was always Andy Dick gave Phil Hartman's wife drugs. And that would, that those were the drugs that she shot Phil Hartman on. So yeah, you can imagine, especially since they were both on that show, uh, news radio, um, like the, the sort of scorn people had for Andy Dick after that, which was, a lot and still yeah. do to this day kind of um whether or not andy dick had anything to do with that i mean he didn't 
he didn't like he didn't like shoot Phil Hartman. Yeah. He didn't make anyone Sounds shoot like anyone. But she it's, was going to still get, do drugs yeah. and do that anyway. Right. Maybe. Right. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Phil Hartman's murder kind of around before the premiere caused some changes uh, before the release, which I didn't really get uh, to find out what these changes were, but um, that definitely kind of like put a damper on things. And uh, yeah, so Joe Dante originally wanted the cast of Predator to uh, to voice the Commando Elite, which would have been crazy. Although... I'm fine with what he's got. I, I love the I love all the like voiceover cast in this. Um, the movie features music from Led Zeppelin, who is uh, notoriously strict about what their uh, what media their music goes into, which I think it's pretty funny that uh, <laughs> that small soldiers out of anything is is what they went with. Although Joe Dante, I have to imagine like if Led Zeppelin was into films i i could see how they would be into a joe dante joint right um <laughs> yeah so on making the movie uh dante recalled originally i was told to make an edgy picture for teenagers or when the sponsor tie-ins uh came in the new mandate was to soften it up as a, a kitty movie uh too late as it turned out uh and there are elements of both uh, as there are elements of both approaches in there, uh, just before the release, it was purged of a lot of action explosions. So yeah, this is a lot of what I this is. I've been hearing this a lot about this movie um, and reading a lot about this, about how he was kind of approached to like do this as I don't know if it was originally supposed to be rated R, but it was supposed to be like very edgy, like a like a basically like a fucking violent toy story and then uh you know hollywood big shots realized oh shit we can like sell toys from this and we're not going to be able to really do that if children can't go see this movie right um which i think is a mistake i think we'll get into it but i i i mean i'm glad that i saw this movie as a kid but i do think that that those limitations really kind of like held Joe Dante back uh, in a way that is kind of frustrating. Right. It It is like, uh, it does have that really difficult task of straddling that line between being a movie for adults and a movie for kids. I think it's straight up just kind of is a movie for adults, but uh, I saw it when I was a kid, you know? And, um, and yeah, since there's already toys built into the movie, it's kind of hard. I mean, I get where they were coming from. I get like the panic of like, shoot, how violent did we make this? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And, uh, the, the pup, the, so it's the, the uh, effects and the, the action figures, the movements and stuff. It's basically like a combination of puppetry and CGI. Um, uh, Dante said it's one third puppetry and the rest CGI. So, um, I kind of liked this. This was like in a, I don't know if I was just nostalgic for it, but I usually get annoyed with CGI and I, I kind of mm. didn't mind it in this. I was in a way charmed by it. Cause it's like a, you know, 20 year old version of 
CGI, basically. It looks fucking awesome, I thought, yeah. for the most part. And I think that's the way to do it. I've been saying that for years. Like, like I'm the only person who's had this idea. But, like, you want to use practical effects with cgi like that's the way to use cgi is when it's both when sometimes you're looking at a a cgi model and sometimes you're looking at a practical effect that way you can't tell the difference so it all just kind of you know the uncanny valley in your brain just assumes everything you're looking at is real because some of what you're looking at is real that's what i think i I think i think i think it's best when when both that's why jurassic park will always look fucking amazing even though some of it's CGI and some of it's uh, animatronics. Right. And some of it's real dinosaurs. Well, right. Yeah. And some of it is real Jeff Jeff Goldblum performing. Yeah. Most of Jeff, I would say two thirds of Jeff Goldblum is CGI though. Right. Him without a shirt is definitely CGI. (laughs) Yeah. From the shoulders down, he's CGI. So. (laughs) Right. Yeah. um, Jeremy, what do you say we dive into the, into the plot of this bad boy? All right, so I'm going to give you a very crude overview of the plot, and then Eric is going to stop me when he has uh, specifics yeah. and ideas he wants to talk about. <laughs> yes, sir. A la wikipedia.org slash wiki slash small, so- small underscore soldiers. Um, top defense contractor Globotech Industries acquires the Heartland Toy Company as part of... And as part of the move, Globotech CEO Gil Mars tells Heartland toy designers Larry Benson and Irwin Wayfair to develop actual live-action toys capable of playing back. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> Jay Moore and David Cross are... I love the opening of this, by the way, mm-hmm. where we hear the drum roll. Um, it, it, we get kind of this like great epic score right away. We right. see this heli- helicopter coming in over the, the Globetech building, and David Cross is all flustered. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, in, and in one scene, we have three sort of comedic giants in a row <laughs> yeah. talking to each other. It's Jay Moore, David Cross, and Dennis Leary. I, I wouldn't necessarily call Jay Moore a comedic giant, but you get what I mean. There's like three um, c- uh, capable and competent act, uh, uh, comedic performers, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so and uh, I love David Cross's character in this. Just the fucking nerd goof. <laughs> yeah, and I can't believe I can't remember whose idea it was. I think it was Cross's character who has this idea that he's trying to get off the ground called the Belch Brigade that are just these yeah. toys that like Belch <laughs> or something. Um, yeah. But yeah, basically, uh, Mars wants realistic toys that that do what they do in in the commercials. Um, yes. is what he says. So. Mars selects Larry's soldiers, the commando elite, for the project, and Irwin's creatures, the Gorgonites, for their enemies, with the toy line expected to hit the market in three months. Faced with such a tight deadline, Benson forgoes safety testing, then uses Irwin's password and chooses Globotech's X1000 microprocessor <laughs> yeah. to activate the toys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so this we, basically means he puts in like a uh, hyper military grade, um, not even sanctioned by the U.S. military, uh, dangerous fucking microchips into these toys. It's a really good premise, and I, I mean, this is I, while I was watching this because it's I still think of it as a kids' movie, even though it's kind of not. Um, I I suspended the disbelief quite a bit, but. It was easy for me to do, but um, 
it kind of still doesn't explain how these toys are basically fully sentient. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, they have like human emotions and like they're very, very human. Um, right. Like whatever Cross's character did to them made them evil and destructive and, and bred for combat. But I don't know that it would necessarily make them capable of being like <laughs> living, breathing creatures i don't know for, for sure i think the implication weird. with these microchips is um and this is kind of i guess revealed later on in the film but um th- their artificial intelligence circuit is designed to learn over time oh i see okay so yeah that's like part of that's one of the plot points is like basically they put ai into these bad boys and mm. uh and we all, what we know about ai especially from child's play 2019 is uh it don't go well <laughs> No, it ain't going to go well. Yeah, uh, which I, which I thought was very funny that this movie is Child's Play 2019 in <laughs> 1998 and much better. And I can't and believe and I can't believe Child's Play 2019 ripped this off wholesale. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I didn't even think about that, but it did rip this off <laughs> completely. Yeah. Completely just jacked yeah. the premise of this and made it more boringer. <laughs> Like yeah, like this has an old. This is like a whole army of military uh, toys versus like these fun monster toys, and uh, you know, not not anything against uh, our boy Luke Skywalker, but we got the amazing voice acting of Tommy Lee Jones and Franklin Gella in this thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll um, take a David Lee Cross. Uh, David, Cro- David, David Lee, Lee Cross. David Lee Ray. I would take a, a, a David Cross and a Sherry O'Terry over uh, Mark Hamill and Aubrey Plaza any day. For sure. Uh, so, adolescent Alan Abernathy, which if that's not a superhero name, I don't know what is, <laughs> signs off for a shipment of the toys at his family's toy store without his father's consent. He yeah, and the so and this- delivery driver... Oh, yeah, go on. So this kid with uh, what is it? It's called like the curtain or something. That hairstyle, but uh, the like classic '90s boy, white boy hairstyle. Uh, yes. Somehow this convinces this guy to uh, give him all these toys <laughs> for free, for free or something, or in advance. Uh, yeah. I kind of like this guy's attitude, where he's he's just like he's like you're being too loud or whatever. Like he's he's kind of totally fine with it in a way yeah yeah uh and this actor gregory smith we i've seen him before um but kind of looking through his his credentials i don't actually know what i've seen him before in eric can do you remember seeing him in anything what's his name gregory gregory smith hmm uh i mean i mean like familiar. i know he's in the patriot but I don't really remember the Patriot. <laughs> I know I saw it, but I, that can't be really what it is. I never watched Everwood. Yeah, it's weird. I, I, kids, kid actors in the '90s had universally recognizable faces somehow. I don't know how that worked, but probably also kids in the '80s too, like that Corey Feldman face, just kind of right. like was just like looked like all kids somehow. Um, Anyways, yeah, I don't that's recognize neither here nor from there. anything. Oh, he's in Harriet the Spy, but I I don't know that I like. Oh, great! Remember yeah, that. that's not a family favorite of mine, but yeah. Um, so he and the delivery driver Joe activate the leaders for each group: Archer and Chip Hazard, Alan's neighbor and love interest Christy Fimple, 
who's played <laughs> by the lovely Chris, uh, Kirsten Dunst, uh, buys Chip Hazard as a birthday present for her brother, Timmy. Um, Fimple is a bad last name. I think that's the yeah. point. <laughs> right. I, it's like a very movie TV show bad last name. Like, yeah. Goofy last name. Uh, I don't know. Um, it's fine. Alan returns home to discover Archer in his backpack. He realizes that Archer is sentient. But in the meantime, the Commando Elite awaken and apparently attack the Gorgonites in the store. Alan calls the company and files a complaint. Later, when Larry and Irwin listen to Alan's voicemail, Irwin uh, is terrified to discover that X-1000 was designed for smart munitions guidance. And that's when the Globotech engineer reveals basically that it's AI. But mass okay. production was scrapped due to its issues with electromagnetic pulse shielding. So I guess that is built inside of it the way to kill it, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I think we... So... What, skip something? I, <laughs> no, I don't know if we... <laughs> I don't know if we necessarily skipped important things, but um, some things I wanted to go back to were... Uh, so... There is um, what's his name? What's the fucking main kid's name? Uh, Alan Abernathy. Alan Abernathy's bedroom is like, <laughs> I would say like a top five like, <laughs> like like kid boy kid, uh, bedroom like nineties boy kid bedroom. He's got like a sick ass setup with like a computer and like a a. Like he has a Power Man five thousand poster. Oh and, uh, yeah. All this cool shit. Honestly, you, having Jer- one of those now would be cool. <laughs> yeah. Jeremy, do you remember are there any cause I have one in mind, but are there any like nineties childhood bedrooms from movies that you uh that you liked as a kid? Um, I will say that I I this is this not is Dawson's Creek nineties? Um, I don't know. It might be. Well, if it is, I o- I'll always remember Dawson's room because he was in the canon of the show. He was a big Steven Spielberg fan, but for some reason that that <laughs> that translated into him having a hook poster on his wall. <laughs> and actually, that debuted on the WB January twentieth, uh, nineteen ninety eight. So yeah, it counts. Uh, having a hook poster on his wall. Anyway, what do you what, what do you have in mind? <laughs> uh, yeah, th- uh, three ninjas. Oh, uh, great. I remember there was one of those movies where Colt Rocky and Tum Tum had like a cool ass, uh, uh, like bunk bed. Not a bunk bed, but they had like beds that it like went into the wall. Mm-hmm. It was it's like, it was weird. There was like a bed, and then there was like an opening in the wall where there was like the other two people slept or something. I can't, yeah. it's hard to describe, but, uh, but that one. And then also, uh, I remember thinking that the bedroom, the kid's bedroom in blank check was really cool. I was just going to say blank check. Yeah. He had a computer too. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. and you mean, do you mean his bedroom after he got the blank check? <laughs> oh, I was thinking of just his normal bedroom, his normal, yeah. like middle-class family bedroom, but after the I blank w- check too. <laughs> Because I was going to flaunt that, of course, the two kids who had the best bedrooms in the 90s were Richie Rich and the kid from Blank Check. <laughs> yeah. Because they had all True. the money. Um, anyways, we can move on. Uh, meanwhile, 
The commando elite pursue Alan to his home and attempt to kill him and Archer in the kitchen. <laughs> this is when we get our first sort of like cool, not our first, but like one of the cool action scenes where they're kind of pursuing them and Archer's involved. Uh, should we talk a little bit about like what Archer's deal is and like the deal of his people or whatever? Yeah, sure. <laughs> All right, go on. <laughs> you do it. <laughs> I don't really know. <laughs> what it's what like, is his there's like a backstory. It doesn't even like explain about like him and his people, how they just want peace or something. And right. they've been warring with the fucking commandos. They just want them dead or to enslave them or something. I don't know. Right. I remember there being some sort of sob story. Yeah. I like Archer a lot. I like, uh, I like Archer and, uh, I don't know if we got to him yet, but Rick Bazooka <laughs> is probably my favorite of all Rick of the Bazooka. <laughs> characters. Yeah. All the names but, for the yeah. commandos are really great. Um, yeah. Uh, so, uh, Alan is attacked by Nick Nitro, whom he uh-huh. mortally wounds. His parents, Stuart and Irene arrive at the kitchen Having been alerted by the sounds of the scuffle there, Alan attempts to explain what is going on, but with Archer not supporting his explanation, neither of his parents believe him. This is a little bit of the old toy becomes a toy when the, when you need him to talk the most. Situation. Right, classic uh, Chucky situation. Yeah, and you know while we're on the subject of Chucky, since this is our last uh, episode dedicated to the to the Chuck Meister. Uh, there is a lot of fun. I think this is the, of all the toys to life stuff we've done so far, this is the most Chucky like. Uh, I whereas, would agree yeah. with that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, and of course it's not just one character. It's like a multiple characters doing Chucky antics, but it's, it's toys with full personalities who pretend to be toys when parents are around. And yeah. That's different than like Annabelle who does nothing and Chinga where the doll doesn't do anything and and even right. the Twilight Zone episode Talking Tina where the toy doesn't do anything. <laughs> well, our upcoming episode of uh, Chucky Dark is uh uh we're doing what Goosebumps. is it the Goosebumps Night of the Living Dummy Part 2 which I think is uh kind of does what Chucky does where he He do what Chucky do for sure. Yeah. Yeah, him and Chucky would uh, get along. They should play cards or something. They should play cards and have a drink together. Maybe yeah. even smoke a fucking blunt. Duber, baby. Duber, baby. All right. Um so the next day Alan and Archer find the rest of the Gorgonites in a dumpster at the store. <laughs> <laughs> At home, Alan learns that the primary goal of the Gorgonites is to seek their home, Gorgon, which they mistakenly believe to be in Yosemite National Park. See, they do just want to get home or whatever it is we said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Through tapping the Abernathy's phone line, the Commando Elite learn of Alan's interest in Christy, immobilize the Fimple's mm-hmm. household, and take Christy hostage to force Alan to into surrendering the Gorgonites. So I have to say, Jeremy, and this is why I was so spotty on uh, <laughs> what we were just talking about. Like some of this is, I'm really, I really find uh, the like human stuff in this really engaging and nostalgic and fun. And I do really like the puppetry and the CGI. And I think the, uh, action figures are funny but I around this point am getting like it's something that happens to my brain with action movies where there's 
so much I I just have like writer brain where I just want like story and dialogue and stuff sure. and I kind of just not even wanting to like tune out uh and I kind of started to do that around this point with the uh, with with just all of the uh action figure stuff although there's some stuff coming up that I found really engaging and fun but uh, I don't know. For me, this it gets into like the action actiony stuff like halfway through, and uh, it was kind of hard for me. Like I found myself going in and out of interest with it. No, I I hear that. Um, but then when it would get it would get back to like Phil Hartman like arguing with his neighbor and stuff like that, and I would just be like laughing hysterically. So I don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I think that, uh, the small soldier stuff is pretty, it's, it's pretty good for what it is. It, it doesn't age like the best necessarily. Yeah. Uh, I do it think is, the sequel, yeah, it is really funny though. Like just the, the very concept of it is really funny. And even like the army specifics and these toys doing these like funny combat specifics is funny as hell. And right. I would have like probably if I wrote this movie would have loved <laughs> I would have had such a good time writing a movie like this. But yeah, I don't know something about it. Something about that aspect of it just kind of made me tune out. But anyway, go. No, on. I feel that. Yeah, I know. So basically, in the sequence too, um, the the capture of Christie, we get all of the great um, small soldiers uh, making that army of like of like. Uh, Barbie soldier toys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is the moment I was talking about that just like yeah. scared the shit out of me when I was a kid, and I still think it's like kind of scary in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it echoes that like that Frankenstein vibe, and then like yeah, yeah, you have like a lot of I mean, you have a lot of scary imagery in this part where like there's the little brother who's just like picks up one of the dolls and is like, "Hey, cool," and then you see all of them just pounce the kid. Yeah. And it just like truly looks like, oh, that kid's fucking dead. <laughs> like, why would they leave that kid alive? Um, but yeah, uh, he's not. He's just tied up. But it's right. Uh, it's very it, it, it's it's good stuff. It's and it's good animation. I, I do. I do kind of see what you're saying, though, where it's like, hmm, like maybe maybe what's more interesting in this movie is the is watching Phil Hartman show off his stereo system. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, so, Alan and Archer sneak into the Fimple's house to save Christy, but run into her Gwendy dolls, whom the commando elite engineered as auxiliary, auxiliary troops. The Gwendys quickly subdue Alan. Archer cuts Christy loose from her bonds, and together they save Alan and destroy the Gwendys before escaping. Mm-hmm. Um,. The Commando Elite pursues them in kit-bashed vehicles, but are seemingly destroyed in a car crash. In a crash. The two adolescents and Archer <clears throat> return to Alan's house, only to find both families waiting for them. Believing that Alan kidnapped Christy and immobilized the Fimples, this time, Stuart and Irene believe Alan and Christy's account of the Gorgonites yeah. and the Commando Elite. Yeah, Phil so, and Marion, Christie's parents, <laughs> remain skeptical. <laughs> there was a point where, uh, before this, where Alan like comes clean to uh, 
his dad and his mom and his mom asks him if he's on crank. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I thought that was a really funny moment. Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. And then around this time, uh, is this the moment where Phil Hartman's eating potato chips and we <laughs> cut to him and he's just casually eating chips and he's, he says, I think world war two was my favorite war. <laughs> <laughs> God, that's so funny. Yeah. That's great. Um, um, yeah, yeah no. So, uh, Eric, I, I I actually had wanted to run something by you um, in the vein of this last sort of sequence where we have, you know, boy goes to rescue girl, uh, boy gets captured, then girl ends up rescuing boy, and then we have this cool scene um, of them sort of, you know, action scene, getting chased around, whatever, they escape, and then girl ends up at boy's house. Uh as a kid, like a uh, an ele- late elementary school, early middle school kid, I went freaking bazinga for these kind of st- these kind of scenes. I was like uh, totally sexually charged by this. <laughs> I was like, uh, I was like, this is like my dream come true because at the time I had not yet gone through puberty. I didn't really understand what sex was, but. I knew that I wanted to like save a girl. <laughs> like yeah. that would be the ultimate is if I could like save someone from danger and then maybe they would be just like my friend or whatever. Like I didn't know like how to process like why I wanted this, but I used to love this kind of stuff in films where it was like, I don't know, like the karate kid, you know, like where he's like a hero and gets the girl, but they're in like high school, <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah, I totally get that. I, I, um, there's a movie that I don't know if, do, do you know the Paper Brigade? It's, it's no. a movie. I think it was just like a Disney Channel original movie or something. If you remember the Paper Brigade, tweet at me because mm-hmm. I bring this movie up to people sometimes and no one remembers it. Yeah, um, and also if you're uh, sexually charged by teens escaping danger, <laughs> tweet at us. <laughs> yeah, and uh, also include the pol- your local police department <laughs> in, the, in the tweet. <laughs> in the tweet. <laughs> but there's <laughs> there's a movie called The Paper Brigade uh, that kind of has that same thing going on where I felt the same way about like the male. There's kind of this like very similar looking male protagonist. Uh, character like boy protagonist character who like i think like saves a girl or something and yeah yeah i get what you mean that's always like when you're a kid that's always like uh uh uh, very (laughs) entertaining i guess i don't know yeah yeah you're right though it is weird when you're like just a kid and you don't even know like wait why do i even like give a shit about this (laughs) yeah (laughs) why do i care about this it's like well it's because there's something like maybe evolutionarily compelling you to yeah. enjoy s- these kind of stories. Anyway, so... Yeah, Jeremy, I'm uncomfortable. Let's move on. Erwin <laughs> <laughs> and Larry arrive to talk to Alan about his voicemail. At that moment, Chip Hazard, the only survivor of the crash, attacks the house with a new force of Commando Elite from a hijacked recall shipment by Joe and with more improvised vehicles and weapons. A battle promptly breaks out between the Commando Elite, the Gorgonites, and the humans inside, resulting in the house's electricity supply being cut off. Uh, Inspired by uh, Irwin's advice to create an EMP blast, Alan heads out to force an overload of the power lines. 
Christy, Irwin, and Larry head to the Fimple's house to turn on all electric items inside and wedge the circuit breakers open for a large surge. At Archer's command, the, hero- the heroic Gorgonites emerge and fight back against the evil commando elite because they were peaceful up until now, correct? Yes. Right. Uh, Chip yeah. Hazard flies to the top of the power line pole to stop Alan, where he battles and defeats Archer but finds himself thrust by Alan into the power transformer, triggering the EMP blast, which destroys Chip Hazard along with the remaining commando elite. Archer gives himself to the cause, Eric. He sacrifices himself to save his brothers and sisters. Mars arrives in his helicopter during the police (laughs) and fire department cleanup the next day. He pays Joe, the Fimples, and the Abernathys for damages, as well as buying their silence from the media. I thought that was pretty great. (laughs) Pretty great how they were all like, no amount of money could oh wait, that much money? Okay, let's I'll never talk about this. That's so that's such smart writing, I think, because it is it is true. Like, no, are you kidding? I'd love to not I'd love to have a bunch of money to not talk about this. Like, right. what do you think? I'm some sort of moral soldier. I need to like explain to the media what's happening. No, just pay me off. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And he order, uh, he orders Larry and Irwin to prepare the commando elite for sale to rebels in South America. Don't know if I love that part, part of the plot. Yeah. Uh, interesting. among the craziness of the aftermath, Alan and Christie part on highly amicable terms having agreed to start a relationship with each other. I would say that's <laughs> amicable. Uh, yeah. la- uh, Alan later discovers that the Gorgonites have screened themselves from the EMP blast by hiding underneath the Fimple's large satellite dish. The Abernathys bring the Gorgonites to Yosemite National Park, where Alan sends them out in a large toy boat from his father's store <laughs> to find their home of Gorgon. Or to surely die is probably more the case yeah. because there is no home there. Eric, how'd you feel about your second or third or fourth viewing of Small Soldiers? I mean, it probably was my third or fourth viewing. I'm sure I saw this more than once when I was a kid. This was one where um, it was my the aforementioned uh, good friend of mine when I was a kid. They had like all of these. They would tape copies of every movie they rented. And I remember Small Soldiers was one that they had. Uh, that we would watch periodically. And um, yeah, I I really, I enjoyed this movie. I appreciated the humor of it um, in a way that I do, don't think I did when I was a kid. Um, I really, really thought like the Phil Hartman and the SNL people in this are, are really funny. Me too. I think that the premise is like hilarious. And I think... Just more, it's one of those things where, like, the idea of it is funny to me, and the execution is funny too. But when it gets to the toy stuff, I just like my brain just shut off. And it was, I don't know, it is, I think it does have to do with that whole thing of like Joe Dante had a vision, and then he had to like change his vision because. Um, these, you know, like annoying Hollywood executives wanted to like make more money off of it and forced him to do something a little bit more, uh, childish, I guess. I don't know. Right. Yeah. No, if you watch Gremlins, it's very dark. It's a very dark movie. Famously, it has one of the darkest monologues ever captured on film where 
the 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 woman explains her father's death by being caught in a chimney and basically burned alive. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is it is incredibly dark, but it also has that childlike premise, that kind of you know kid premise of these gremlins don't feed them after midnight, don't get them wet. Uh, but this this film felt like if you kidified Joe Dante, and for that I think it did suffer. I think you're absolutely right. Um, I mean, the Burbs to me. I want to look up what the Burbs is rated because I think the Burbs is P- yeah the Burbs is a PG movie, and that's like Joe Dante doing a a family horror movie, and I and that movie because that's probably what he signed up for is so fucking good, and right. um. I just feel like they like messed with his vision probably so much that it it just kind of is a little bit of a mess. But at the same time, I would say I overall enjoyed rewatching this movie. I think it's worth rewatching if you like saw it as a kid. I don't know if I would like tell someone who's never seen this movie before to like go out and watch it unless they're like a Joe Dante completist or something, but <laughs> I'd recommend um, it. I think it's fun enough. I think it's a fun little 90s relic. I, I, it's not going to blow your yeah. socks off, but I, I, I think it's got enough star power and interesting stuff, interesting 90s like shit in it to make yeah. you to make it really enjoyable. I think it's like what you, I think at one point you said this about Child's Play 3 where like it's not a great movie, but if you have like if you like get back from like the bars and you and your buddies are like drinking and you want to throw on a just like a mindless movie, um, it kind of has that vibe to me where you it's just like sure let's throw on fucking small soldiers and you know every yeah. once in a while tune in and laugh at Phil Hartman or the fact that they're playing uh, Spice Girls as a form of <laughs> psychological torture. Or, uh, you know, th- there's a lot of funny specifics like firing. They, they, I really like the, um, the use of things as weapons in this movie, like firing off corn cob holders was, yeah. I thought, particularly funny. And th- there's, with the premise given, there's a lot of really cleverness involved yeah. in this movie. I don't did know. You, I guess, did you go through yeah. all the voice cast of all of the different... Um, uh, Gorgonites slash Commando elites. I did not go through everyone, but let's let's take a look at because I think I just went through the main cast. Yeah, let's see. Okay, here. let me let me let me go through the the voice cast. Do it. This is okay. So this is actually something I I if you already went through this, totally forgive me, but I just did not realize this until I'm just now looking at it because I don't think I I would have known. How would I have known? But anyways. Frank Langella does the yep. voice of Archer. Tommy Lee yep. Jones does the voice of Chip Hazard. George Kennedy does the voice of uh, of Rick Bazooka. Jim Brown does the voice of Butch Meathook. Ernest Borgnine <laughs> yeah. does the voice of Kip yeah. Killigan. Bruce Dern <laughs> does the voice of Link Static. Oh, really? Christopher Guest is the voices of Slamfist <laughs> and Scratchit. Michael McKean voices Insaniac wow. and, and Troglocken. Harry Shearer is the voice what of the Punch fuck? It. Jim Cummings is the voice of Ocula. And the voices of all of the um the uh uh sorry, the the what are they called? The Gwendy dolls is Sarah Michelle Geller and Christina Ritchie. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't I didn't realize that. I did not realize that either. That they ba- they bury the lead on some of their biggest, most high profile cast. Right. Oh man. 
the cast is so good. I mean, I don't. I I like this movie overall, and the cast is a big part of it. I do think this movie is funny. I think this movie is like funnier than like most modern comedies, actually. Um, but I don't know. It's just like the marketing of and and just kind of the mess of the production and what w- this movie was supposed to be and what the producers wanted it to be um, kind of was maybe its downfall. Although I don't know, I, we didn't get into the box office numbers, but I, I don't know that it was like a failure. So it was a budget of 40 million and uh, grossed 54 million. So it didn't box office says uh, on Wikipedia is a 71 million. Oh, 71 cumulative worldwide gross. Yes. Right. I was going with the USA, but yeah, so it didn't do terrible. Um, I mean, it made, it made money, but yeah, I don't know. Um, I like this movie overall. I'm actually, I'm really glad that people suggested it and that we got to rewatch it. And yeah, it's definitely like very, um, it's more in the vein of a Chucky film than an Annabelle, uh, or oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't know what else, <laughs> what else have we watched? Annabelle? Well, Chinga, the twilight yeah. zone, Annabelle, yeah. a lot of this, a lot of yeah. these toys, toys to life or toys are creepy or toys are scary films. Um, uh, we didn't do Toy Story, I think, intentionally because m- you guys have seen Toy Story. <laughs> Maybe we'll do yeah. all the Toy Story films another day. But yeah, Small Soldiers <laughs> it was a f- was a more fun pick for me. I think. Yeah, uh, me too. To I think through. this was actually the one out of all of the options that I was most excited about. So I'm glad you all recommended it, Jeremy. Um, so I guess this is it. This is it. this is our last uh, chat about Chucky. Uh, I think I mentioned this at the top of the episode, but um, we will be doing a little bit more Chucky content, uh, cu- more Chucky bonus episodes. So I think we have a few more in the canon. Um, sign up for $5 to hear those on Patreon. Um, and then we'll be doing Ari Aster movies and then uh, uh, fucking uh, the Final Destination movies, which are going to be really fun. <laughs> uh, I'm in talks with a couple of pe- couple really great uh, potential guests for those, which should be uh, really exciting. Uh, That'd be great. Jeremy, do you have any final thoughts uh, on Small Soldiers? Um, no, not at all. Yeah. It's a good. It's 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 pretty good. You should go see it. But also check out Joe Dante's other work because I would say this is low on the totem pole of his films. The Birds 100%. is great. Gremlins is great. The Twilight Zone films great. Um, and he's done, you know, a lot more great. And I mean, I mean, just absolutely stellar stuff uh than that he he's also like you know he's got a podcast that fucking rules really you can check that out oh yeah um yeah it's 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 great um uh and uh yeah i'm trying to look i'm looking through some more of his uh explorers is one of his films that movie fucking rules um yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd go check out more uh, Joe Dante. He also did uh, directed a series that I'm so, so into that I think uh, we should cover at some point, maybe in the future, Eric. But the series is called Eerie Indiana. It's hmm. an old, uh, early, early 90s, um, I guess, uh, live action, like, kids horror show. Oh, holy shit. It was sort of in the vein of, uh, sort of in the vein of like a, like an, are you afraid of the dark kind of, kind of vibe. (laughs) 
but that yeah, sounds really Joe Dante, good. Joe Dante uh, directed a bunch of those. So, dude, uh, I'm yeah. looking at a still from this, and I think I've seen this. I think I've yeah, seen see, this show. yeah, you probably have seen it. It's one of those shows where you you've actually seen it and just not actually remembered that you had. I've definitely seen this. That's great. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I guess this is the uh, the end of the episode so jeremy do you have anything you wanted to plug before we sign nah, off not at all just keep keep subscribing keep smashing that like and subscribe button <laughs> yeah, <laughs> even if you've already it. subscribed keep smashing <laughs> it uh yeah no rate us oh please rate us on itunes if you haven't it, it doesn't yes. it doesn't take that long it just it really helps us out though it looks cool on our little thing yeah. we can go go to our go to our uh, Apple you don't podcast. even have to write anything you can just click yeah. the five stars and it yeah just but if you write something that's up. nice too but if you don't want to uh, it, it's 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 totally cool like it it just makes our show look impressive when we have more than you know when we when we get more and more uh, five star reviews as time goes on. So, yeah. um, our Twitter handle will continue to be at Chucky Rules four twenty, and our Gmail will continue to be Chucky Rules four twenty at gmail dot com. Uh, I think we're maybe gonna tweak the um, fucking uh, Patreon name because that's uh, how you change the name of the bonus episodes podcast. But uh, we'll we'll figure that out. You can fi- you can find you can find it always through our Twitter, um, or you can probably still search chatting about Chucky on there. Um, we have one dollar tier available. We have five dollar tier. We have tons of tiers. You can suggest shows, come on the show. Um, fucking, I don't have a job right now, so anything you, <laughs> you could pitch yeah. in would be great. If you enjoy the <laughs> show, it would be awesome uh, to get some money. And uh, Jeremy. I have one more thing I'd like to say to you. Yes, sir. This is the end, friend. Aww.